everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA at pnwa.org. Hope you've had a chance to check out my new podcast, Fearless Writing with Bill Knauer on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Just a little dose of inspiration. That's what it's about. A little advice, a little inspiration. That can go a long way. So yeah, check it out if you want. Fearless Writing with Bill Knauer. I put up a new one every week. And... Speaking of fearless writing, apparently I met this guest at a fearless writing class I was teaching, and she's now published her first memoir, Deep Waters, uh, Beth Ann Matthews. Yes, former scientist. She grew up in the Midwest, earned her undergraduate degree at Purdue University and her master's degree in marine biology from the University of California at Santa Cruz, and is a professor at the University of Alaska Southeast she taught courses in biology, behavioral ecology, and marine mammalogy, and led research on harbor seals, stellar lions, and harbor porpoises. And this is her first book. It's a memoir. It's really cool. We had a fun conversation about memoir, about science and writing, and how writing helps our life and Alaska. Good conversation, good person, good book. I'm glad I get to share that conversation with you now. Enjoy. All right. Well, this is good. We've got Beth Ann Matthews. A well, we were going to talk in May when the, that was when the memoir Deep Waters came out. Yes. COVID, and we couldn't talk then, but we are now. How are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? You got your energy? It I am knock you out. Very, yeah, I am so energized compared to how I felt uh, back then. So yes, I'm ready good. to go. All right. So the Deep Waters is your first published i don't know did you publish some have you published some sort of nonfiction, science-y marine biology type books yes i mean i am a marine scientist so i've, had, I've published research papers and right. then years ago i actually um we, i co-developed a course on humpback whale and killer whale ecology which was used for the course but not truly published so okay so but this is the first piece of narrative book writing you've done yes and academic writing uh it's a kind of thing it's a thing it's very different than what you're doing now of mm -hmm. what you did what you did with, with deep waters and so um and so and, and deep waters covers it's about you it's it covers a period of life well, actually why don't you describe better than you describe than me but it covers a period in your life in your marriage um and the little adventure you and your husband went on. So maybe you can describe that so people know what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. So the book title is Deep Waters, A Memoir of Loss, Alaska Adventure, and Love Rekindled. And um, it's really, a, it's a story about relationship resilience and how uh, a crisis, a medical crisis in our case, can sometimes spur you as an individual or a couple or a family to do something bigger and more ambitious than you would do had that crisis not happened. Um, the The book starts, it does take place in just one year. Um, it starts uh, in Juneau, Alaska, where I was a professor of marine biology at the University of Alaska. 
and my husband um, was a marine scientist. Our son was nine at that time, and um, uh, you know, one morning it was a normal weekday morning, morning, and I was uh, keen to get to work because I always had a pretty long list of things to do. My husband brought me coffee in the morning, lovely thing to do. Um, and then while I was making the bed, I'm not giving too much away because this happens early on. It does. But suddenly my very healthy husband, who was the kind of guy the winter before, for example, he, he rode his bike to work in Juneau, Alaska with studded tires and these special booties uh, that prevented the snow from uh, you know, getting in his shoes or shoving up to his pant, up his pant leg, <laughs> and uh, and and he had been a field biologist in Alaska, studied walruses out in the middle of the Bering Sea, and done a lot of field work. Really healthy person, but um, suddenly, alarmingly, I heard this kind of choke, coughing I'd never heard before, and um, while doing a very mundane kind of household chore, painting and scraping our skylight. Um, that triggered a rare, very rare type of stroke called a lateral yeah. medullary stroke. And that's the beginning of the change, big change, a big fork in the road in our lives. And I will say, uh, kudos to you. I've never met your husband, but you did such a wonderful job of portraying him. I just sensed nothing but health and vigor and vitality off this guy. I had such a clear image of him in my mind. But you know what's interesting about that? I had a clear image but not a physical one. At some point you describe, I think it's chestnut hair. I can never picture people's hair. I, people, Unless it's something really strange. So I just have a very vague image, but what I see is strength, vitality, sort of a determination, sort of a, an energy of the character more than the, which I don't even, I, I don't care about the physical in a lot of ways. It just doesn't matter. But I sensed his physical presence. So you did a nice job of capturing that because it just hit it home again. And again, just both describing the things he would do and just the, just, I don't know, your experience of him. So well done. <laughs> well, thank you. And I I would say I really appreciate hearing that because I did uh, wrestle with how much description. And some people said, oh, you, I, I like to take photographs and I do wildlife photography, but I also have pictures of our family out on the yeah. boat. But some people said, oh, you should put pictures, mm. photos. And I absolutely did not want no, to I, because I wanted the reader to shape I didn't want to force our our images into their mind, but to let let the actions of the characters fill in. And yeah. what you just said is how I was hoping it would be for. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do think if you're reading a biography, a true biography, in other words, and I think I my definition between memoir and biography is this: it actually has to. It's the only time I bring the reader into it. If I'm reading a biography, I know who the person is, and I want to learn about them. That's why I'm reading it. Mm -hmm. Now, when I read your book. Even though I have met you, I don't really know. I'm not reading it to learn about you. I'm reading it the way I read a novel. I that I don't care about the author. I'm sorry, but I really don't. I care about the story. I and love it. I don't want I pictures because okay. that muddies it up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to see the pictures of the house. And like, I don't want to know the real thing. I want it to read more like a, a work of fiction. So I I totally agree with that choice on your part. This okay. isn't journalism, right? That's right. That's right. I think that on our brains do such a good job of filling in the images um, and each person based on their own background and how they read it will, will create the own, you know, something that works well for them. So this is always interesting to me when you have somebody like yourself who, and one of the, you know, you're pretty honest about your own 
you know, strengths and I don't want to say weaknesses, but the things that you're yes. working with, the challenges, right? And one of them is you like to work. You're a busy person and a lot of identity around people who have jobs that they love. Their identity floats around it. Very normal. But that was a scientist. You're a scientist. That's what you're an academic and a scientist, not a fiction writer, not a poet, not an essayist. So first of all, did you have within you a, a, a sort of nascent creative desire around writing? Or is that simply writing was what you did to write papers and emails and it was not a creative pursuit for you, release? Oh, for I you. love how you framed that question. I have always, I've kept journals on and off in my life. Uh, you know, very personal writing. Um, not They're not like a perfect perfect set of journals. Some of my friends have those kinds of journals that right. on the shelf and mine are more hodgepodge. And and then as a field biologist, um, I was trained to, uh, you know, we, we of course create data sheets to collect the the systematic data that we need in the field. But right. also um, when you're studying animal behavior, you're also trained to be on the lookout for unusual events and right. to write down notes quickly because you, um, you know, or and or photograph or do both and video now is big to do that as well. But um so that I love I love that part of my work um you know I did some of my work up in Glacier Bay National Park you love noting the detail and writing down like ooh the specific observation the noting yes. the unusual okay yeah yeah and so that um and then I, I you know I wrote home, letters home and my parents loved my letters and my they'd share them you know and oh, okay. so that that I did have that um but I did not I did not aspire to writing a book I mean I of course, like a lot of people, um, I you know I wanted my research writing to be read, uh, but it's a very different type of writing, and so I did have a lot to learn. And it's a very specific audience. The yes, thing is, when your is. research is going to be read by other scientists. I mean, yes. unless you're trying to translate it for the layperson, but right. most you don't, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did. Uh, so I did when I. I mean, I I, I also started off some of the writing that I did um, that ended up a lot of it actually that ended up being useful in the book. I wrote in the moment. So some of the dramatic um, situations where uh, I mean, even in the very beginning when we were on the medevac plane to Seattle, my instinct was to write down um, sequences. You know, what happened when I, I was sort of thinking for the doctors, but they're also my emotions were also, rolled into that i, I, right. I wasn't going to show anyone those pages um but i and, and then there were other circumstances where i when, when my husband got in there's one uh, scene where he gets into trouble after the stroke after we think he's recovered and something um alarming happens while we're out on our boat and the next morning i woke up i just had to write it down and i think part of that was my own therapy for trying to come to terms with almost losing him again, which really was of course hard. And my our, right. our son was with us during right. and, and helped me um, basically <clears throat> rescue him. So I think some of my writing that turned out to be uh, drafts of, of scenes came right from the moment. And that, as you know, can be so helpful rather than just trying to yeah. Well, it's interesting because I write about my own life. That's my subject. or That's what I mm -hmm. use for my work. Mm -hmm. And I don't write anything down. And so mm. I, have, I 
And I have learned, this is kind of a funny thing. I, I love it. I, I, I've I, learned to have very little interest in the facts. <laughs> I mean, I try to remember them, but I'm thought they're not really what, they're not the yeah, important yeah. part. It's the, it's my emotional, I have lots of stories about things I got wrong, but it didn't actually matter for the story, you know, mm -hmm, for the story. Mm -hmm. But it's not, again, it's not journalism. It's really, you're creating, I think of it as art, but the subject matter just happens to be, I find there's a certain profundity for me if I try to base it on what I think happened as opposed to inventing something like, mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. but still i don't care about the facts <laughs> at the same time i don't i'm like if i get it wrong i don't even care i just want so okay but uh so we we've met because you took a fearless writing class of what i taught which was probably about 10 years uh, no no couldn't have been had to be less i think it was only a year ago and less oh, than a year ago oh, okay uh, it was it was because um, we at had just moved to bainbridge island right so okay so it was at barn and all that right yes yeah. all right so I'm sorry. I get. I've been doing this for a while. Uh, so you obviously at some point you said, "Okay, I want to try to. I need to tell this story. But why? You got enough going on. You you've done a lot in your life. Why? Why do you need to tell this story? Go get on your boat and have some fun. Why do you want to tell? <laughs> well, this story? I I I believe. So I I got interested in writing and then I started taking memoir writing classes not with the intention in fact I think even inside my head wait I'm gonna back up yeah how did yeah. you get interested in writing like what how did that uh, happen did you semi-retire were you still doing your thing what was going on uh you know I um that's such a good question I to really find the very beginning I I know the first memoir writing class I took was in La Paz, Mexico, and we had, oh. we had so my husband and I had, um, it, this is actually after this book ends, we take our son on our sailboat um, for a three-year expedition to Mexico, mm -hmm. and um, and I had, oh, no, no, okay, no, there is a, a better beginning point. During my husband's stroke, while he was in the hospital, I um, became, I'm sure many other caregivers who get in a situation where they're suddenly in the hospital with a loved one yeah. and, and their goal is to be the advocate for that person. But they also realize they need to inform the family. And there's that moment of overwhelm. His family, like, his family. Hit, well, my family too. Right. It, but everybody needs to know colleagues. what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just, I, and, um, and this was before, uh, this was in 2008 when the term blog really actually didn't, it wasn't a verb anyway. I right. Think by then, but I, um, I was like, I, I made, I did not call his sisters until the um, second night. It was just that intense. And I, I suddenly remembered a student of mine, Rusty Yerksa from Alaska had told me about the Caring Bridge website, which I like other people to know about, but it was a, a what, what we might call now um, a blog for the public uh, set up exactly for our circumstances where you've got usually, you know, maybe one adult who is both the caregiver and the outreach to right. both families and friends right. and it's a website that's designed to allow you to easily basically to post your updates you know every day every other day and for guests to come in and comment and give you and they support you in their oh um, i see okay so very words. practical sort very of practical thing. efficient and so i the first post i put there i remember hesitating and feeling like oh you know this is so personal yeah, and my co colleagues at work are going to read it. Maybe I should do two versions. And then I realized I don't have time. So I just let that personal side more like a letter home to family right. you know, to the world. 
And of course, no one wrote back and said, hey, this is too personal, please don't do, you know, and it was, it, and it was in fact, very much one of the uh, recharge sources for me and, and my husband to hear from our friends and, and get their support in, right. in a way that didn't drain me so that I couldn't do what my main job, which was to be his medical advocate. Right. Right. That that caring bridge. So that started and, it kind of. Yes. Yeah. Just writing that, updates about what was going on, but your right. own personal stuff, you couldn't help but to bring that into it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that, so that got, I think that planted the, the 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 um people said thank you for telling you they were they appreciated my descriptions of some of his um you know, I was in that way maybe a little bit of journalism in the sense that I was trying to translate somewhat complicated medical circumstances right, into right writing that other people could understand and appreciate, um, but not make it not, not like, not like a research paper at all. But, um, but I, I found that so rewarding to have people say, wow, thank you. I never, I mean, we had some fun <laughs> one, two uh, male friends commented later that they thanked us for um, helping them get out of painting um, ceilings <laughs> in the because of that, but yeah, um, right. but mostly it just really was a uh, rewarding uh, feeling, and and I and that that uh, really it's almost um, it's so rewarding to feel like you might be helping someone else prevent the, not have the same problem um, or respond to it in maybe a more effective way from my writing. So that yeah. I think started nudging me toward. Uh, the idea that I might share our story in some way or another. Yeah. Well, okay. So you say, all right. And then at some point you start doing that, but you, you probably encountered the challenge of turning your life into a story. Cause I teach memoir. It's the other, I mean, you took fearless writing from me, but I, I, the other thing, if I teach writing, it's memoir or personal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and your life ain't a story in that sense. It's just mm -hmm. life doesn't unfold in that tidy way but you've got to rein it in and mm -hmm. so i assume that that must have been and the thing is i i all i've ever done is write and tell stories like that's all i do and when i switched over to memoir i was like oh man you really got to rein it in you've got to chop all this stuff away so that must have been a bit of a challenge for you learning how to turn it into a readable narrative as opposed to just a list of stuff that happened Absolutely. And and that's where taking I, I took a uh, several memoir writing classes where I, I carefully chose them. I wanted to bring my most polished work, a chapter or a scene each week right. and have it critiqued um, by, by classmates, but also by an instructor. And so the place where I think I really um, started shaping it toward a book was when we moved to Santa Rosa, California, and I took a class um, taught by a man named Steve Boga through the community college. And uh, as an example of one of the things, really important um, aspects of creative nonfiction that he helped me with is I, you know, I definitely had some dialogue in my earlier right. drafts, but he really pushed me to um, use more dialogue. And at first I remember thinking, oh, that just sounds so hard. And, and yeah. of course, as a science writer, you, there's just very, very little dialogue. And I also remember explicitly thinking, that sounds so inefficient. And of course, ah, I've, I've done ah. a 180 on that. I love, <laughs> I think dialogue, you know, of course, it's just the, and it's the juice that I like when I read. I love, you know, tight dialogue where 
you know the characters enough or you or you you learned who they are by what they say and yeah. the back and forth um so i i not only took his advice but i also you know read read books on on dialogue and attended some you know workshops and i think that, that bumped my writing up to um it just makes it more interesting for the reader but also back to your other point i did also have to learn how to cut and um, you know how to cut things out. I, I would uh, and and my classmates and instructors would often help me. You know, would just hey, you know, that paragraph you're going on a little too much on this topic, or or maybe that chap, maybe that whole chapter does not need to be in your book. And of right. course, I had good editors down the road that helped right. me tighten it up because I did not want to, I didn't want to bore. the reader. Of course, no, you, you really know. don't. You know, and it's not just like you, you. The, and one of the challenges. I think all writers face is that it's sort of like humor, which is like, you want to leave, do you want to have enough in that the audience gets the joke, but you don't have to explain it. And as soon as you start explaining your joke, as you you know, and I've often, when I work with my clients, I'll say, I already know what you just told me. You showed everything you're telling me now. You already showed me. You've done such a good job with your story, but you think it's not, and I get it. You think it's not in there. Have they, do they understand really how upset I was? Are they sure? I sure they, and it's such a fine line because it's not, it ain't science. You know, it's just, it, hopefully they'll get, and the thing is, Beth, sometimes they don't get it. For some mm -hmm. readers, they aren't going to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have left out too much. That's how it is, right? It's just how it yeah. is. Yeah, well, that's why I am available to book clubs for. Uh, <laughs> I'm I've been doing that a little bit. And, yeah, uh, love, you like it? You know, it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, I've met with, I guess, four, and I've got one more coming up. That's no, great. Um, yeah, and then just to also, I love hearing you know, how they respond to the book and answering their questions. Um, I did have one editor. Um, just to go back to what you said as an example, I had two scenes in the book that were somewhat similar but they involved different people and each character was very important to me um they were they were friends of my husband's um two different men who were really good pals of his and good friends of mine too who came to visit him in the hospital and um and i i loved their interactions were important and in one case um you know some important things happen on the um more dramatic scale but what she said, which I thought, and this was my, my one of my, um, my developmental editor was Andromeda Romano Locks, who was just fabulous to work with. And she said, you know, these, both of them are written well, they read well, but the reader already understands, we've already learned how your family responds to this first friend. Right. Um, and if you, you either need to cut that other scene or trim it down to the parts that are unique to this other friendship and yeah. I I did that and I do think it works better it was hard at first but I, I so she just helped me understand she said the reader already knows that about your family they don't need another example right. it's a good example um, but I think that helped me in more ways I think about that now um, in other writing show it show it well once and don't repeat that and then, you know, don't yeah. repeat it just don't repeat it yeah you really i i was writing an essay a day for a while and they'd be four to five hundred words and i wanted i i wanted to tell stories sometimes in them and i was like can i tell a story in 400 words 500 words and i could but you don't you just tell exactly what you need and i was amazed to say okay 
I don't need a sentence. Can a word do what that sentence just did? Maybe wow. can I, can I just, can I pair or just a, you know, an aside. So, and I, and I could, and it really, I felt it improved my writing dramatically trying to tell a story in that compact amount of space. Yes. Know. Yeah. yeah. Even... I... Go ahead. I was going to ask, so you're, so, okay. So, but you're scientist by profession. That's what you've spent most of your adult life doing. And the sciences require, it's really, it's facts. It's like, you've got to back it up. You can't say, I think it's probably this way. I mean, you can put your hypothesis down. <laughs> uh, what was the quote? If the facts don't fit the theory, change the facts. I think someone said. Oh, wow. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't abide by that. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, but normally, you know, you you obviously want to, you want, but you have to build it up on facts. Uh-huh. And creative writing is really an emotional mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. You really have mm-hmm. to base it on intuition. What you felt is true, but you can't always prove. You can't prove love, for instance. Mm-hmm. But it's the most, it's the stuff that runs through all of us. So how did you, what did you do with your science mind to quiet it, to allow it to tell the emotional story that is a human story? Because it doesn't really work. You can't really tell it like a scientist, I don't mm-hmm, think. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work. Well, no, I, I, it took me time. I, there were, there were scenes that are, that are very, very personal and emotional that I wrote. And at first I thought, well, I'm not going to include these in the book. And yeah. then more, and more, and then when I read them to my critique groups, I saw the emotional reactions, which were very right. powerful and important. And I got more and more brave, more fearless, like your book suggests that you, <laughs> and, and you, you did mention, I want to say, you know, we, I do, um, my husband and I, we are a very strong couple, but it does not mean we're, we're far from perfect. And we, you know, we had some tension points, of course, and, there are places where I uh, tell a story about how I behaved and in a certain moment that I'm not proud of, but I think it, some of my reactions to that overwhelm of, um, you know, being the caregiver and then for, for that while the family breadwinner and taking care of our son, yeah. some of that is the kind of uh, reaction people get when they get, um, have some kind of a caregiver burnout situation. And Absolutely. I think sharing that, if I don't, then it, it, then, you know, why am I telling the story? I'm only, if I only tell the high points of our, who we are and only the good stuff, then it's really a letter home to my parents and not, not something that other people can perhaps learn from or relate to because our emotions, even in the best of relationships, they, uh, we have connect, our connections fluctuate. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say my husband and I are, you know, here together and we're actually on our boat right now. Yeah. Heading north. Um, but uh but that that year was very hard on us. And yet it also I think that toughness uh made us even stronger as a couple. I think relationships, if you're in one and if it's one that really has some legs to it, I have always felt they just they they make you look you have you don't have it makes you look at the way you're operating. Because mm-hmm. usually the relationship can't endure your the stuff that you need to change I, I just think my relationship to my wife it's been the most important relationship in my life and everything that I've wanted to change the relationship has shown me that and the same is true mm-hmm. for her. like I can't mm-hmm. quite get away it starts showing up more and more in the relationship mm-hmm. and so I think that that's what makes them difficult but that's what makes them I, I don't even rewarding is even the right word it's just 
fundamental yeah fundamental and uh yeah no and, and i think one of the things in your book fearless writing um you talk about and, and I, i'll ask you to give this quote because you quote it very well i'll say it um in a clumsy way but uh you know writing about your life can help you live a better life now how do you you have a way oh, is it what yeah well i think it I, writing has taught me how to live is that, I think, but is that I actually the quote that will lead off this podcast, which is what it takes to write the book you want to write, is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Because yes. Yes. life is a creative act, mm -hmm. and the page is blank when you write. And if you and so I have to say, well, what do I want on the page? If I can treat my life with like an open page, as opposed to just something, some kind of game already in progress that I'm joining, it's so much mm -hmm. more fulfilling. And so writing has taught me how to think creatively about everything and about other people and about how to relate to other people and about how to relate to just the constant creative unfolding that is life. Mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, scientists will sometimes see it this way. I don't see it as a machine, as a mechanistic aspect to me. Ultimately it's a conscious living, mm -hmm, creative, mm -hmm. inspired experience. And so writing has taught me how to live in that way. Yeah. I, I think that might be the quote. That was my current day riff on that subject, but it's, writing continues to teach me how to live the way I want to live. Right. That makes right. sense. Yeah. I want to go back to your question about why I wrote the book. Um, yeah. There, there was a re yeah. The one I did address is I do feel that it is helpful and uplifting to people who might be yep. going through something difficult, but uh, the other aspect, there's two mm -hmm. that come to mind as I also wanted to share the joy and wonder of living in Alaska and being out on the water, uh, boating, and you know just the uh, wildlife and wilderness there, and yeah. how that was uh, that being in nature on our sailboat was very healing for us. But it's also where uh, some some um, alarming, difficult situations happened that we obviously got through. So there's, you know, there's that risk of being out in the wilds, but um, for us, it was a very much a healing place. And for my husband, even though he'd had this stroke and still was experiencing, for example, balance issues and right. um, couldn't, couldn't drive a car right. um, because he had uh, nystagmus, which is where your eyes don't track each other and reading was difficult for him, but he really, his, his, um, recovery plan involved really wanting to get out in our boat on our boat before I thought he was ready. And, um, ultimately you know, we had some tough situations out there, but it also did really, I believe, help him recover possibly faster. Right. And, it, and it helped our family connect when we were at home. I had my job and our son was, um, in third, fourth grade, I think you know, getting him to and from school and caring for him. And um, I felt pulled in so many ways at times, my energy and, you know, just uh, my, maybe I'd get a little snappy or whatever, but out on the boat, right. our life was narrowed down to that bubble. And there's a certain survival aspect, even when we're out recreational, recreationally boating. Um, but there's also the beauty and the nurturing and the, and the connectedness that our family right felt um and that is that's a big part of the glue for us um is, you really uh, wanted to share that yes with with uh, people who maybe haven't I, I think other people 
get something very similar. Um, well, other people who go boating will probably, I'm, I'm almost certain, relate to that. But also, some families go camping to to have that. You know, okay, yeah. we're gonna just let we're gonna just pretend like the home life. All those pressures. We don't not gonna pick up the mail. We're not gonna right. And, and we're gonna be more focused on each other and gather around the campground and, and yeah, um, really connect and be um, in that closer knit space that I think we especially need today in this time of of so many social um all the diversions with social media and yes and so on I think it's even more important to have those a book is a great sort of a, it's a it's a campfire of one in a way isn't it you you can gather around it you focus and you can be with another go somewhere with someone else whether whether it's fiction or nonfiction and it does and it just drops you down into it takes you out of that sort of buzzy social media mm. realm we can float around and the book drops mm-hmm. you down and so now you've gotten to add to it beth ann matthews congratulations on the book i hope you're proud of it should be. i am i am and i'm mostly really honored and moved by the response from readers that's been and, great huh? yeah it's been i just uh i just drop back in my chair and uh when i read a something a reader has written or when they some they're huh. writing to me and I, I just that's a profoundly wonderful experience i'm so glad you're having that experience it's it, there's something magical about it because you know you'll never meet a lot of most of your readers you'll never meet but you know they're you're you're affecting them just the same and so soak it in however you can drink it in however you can it's worth it uh it's brave thing to do to share your story but you've done it congratulations um but i am not quite done with you yet beth uh i want you to think about the writing now now that you've done it and i guess you're you sounds like you're kind of still doing it good for you if it's taught you anything what has writing taught you wow um it's taught me that things in the moment aren't always your your reaction in the moment isn't the last revisiting situations i have learned so much about myself i think that's what i'm trying to say is by writing about these circumstances sometimes in the immediate moment but then revisiting and editing those i it's like stepping out of your out of body and viewing yourself and I think I'm more forgiving of myself with that distance. Um, I really appreciate what our family did. And um, I think it's hard to imagine not writing now because it does, it fulfills me in such a way that uh, nothing else does. And I think it helps me absolutely be a better person because I can see my mistakes in the past and learn from them more when I have to put them down in paper and the public reads them, I, I, um, I think I'm, I'm more uh, careful and, and try not to be short with my words. Yeah. You've been bit, you've been bit by the bug. Welcome yes. to the club. Thank Welcome to the so club. Much. It's good to have you in Beth. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Bill, my pleasure. Thank you very much for all you do. Oh. All right. Yeah, it's true. She's she's right. We do learn about ourselves and our lives when we write about it, when we go back, when we look at it fresh. That's right. 
remember it, put it back together again. A lot of fun. A lot of fun in that conversation. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank all of you for listening. And listen, until next time, till next time, I want you to go find something you really love to do and then do it. <laughs>